Welcome to the AMR Studio from SciFest 2019 this year. So the AMR Studio is a podcast hosted by the Uppsala Antibiotics Center and we aim at bringing to you the multidisciplinary research that is going on on antibiotic and antimicrobial resistance around the world. And for our online listeners, this is a special episode. We are recording live from the Science Festival in Uppsala. And today we're actually bringing a very relevant topic for this type of event. We are going to talk about the public awareness of antibiotic resistance. So we thought that this is the perfect arena to bring this topic. We're going to be interviewing somebody that is looking into this, especially here in Sweden and particularly in Uppsala. So we're very excited. and. I am Eva Garmendia, I'm coordinator at the Uppsala Antibiotics Center, and here today with us we also have Jenny Jackman, PhD student at the University of Uppsala, that is herself working on the topic of antibiotic resistance. Um, and today we have a special guest, uh, Mirko Ancelotti. Yes. I hope I said that right. Yes. Uh, and would you mind introducing yourself and where you're currently working? Um, yes, I'm Mirko Ancelotti, as you well said, well pronounced. <laughs> uh, I'm a doctoral student at the Center for Research Ethics and Bioethics, which is a center under the Department of Public Health and Career Sciences. I'm a doctoral student, and my project is about the ethical and public health issues involved in or by antibiotic resistance. So we are very interested in knowing what are you working on right now? What uh, particular projects are you working on right now? At the same time, uh, I'm looking at both uh, spheres uh, of antibiotic resistance that are in, uh, in the realm of my competence, how to say. My background is in philosophy. I don't look at antibiotic resistance from a medical or scientific point of view. And uh, um, I'm carrying studies with the general Swedish population, trying to understand what are the issues that the perceptions and the uh, attitudes that people, general people, ask towards antibiotics use, misuse, and uh, behaviors in their lifestyle that can uh, affect antibiotic resistance and about the topic itself, antibiotic resistance. Can I just ask, it's a very interesting background to come into the AMR field. So how did you, from a philosophy background, end up in the AMR field? Um, in philosophy, I've always been interested in the most, um, the part that is more practical, so ethics, how to apply moral philosophy to our reality. And more specifically, I've always been uh, most interested in what is called bioethics, so the application of ethics to, well, mathematical sciences, natural sciences, and uh, technological development. And I was looking for, well, I, I want to further my education, and um, I saw the call for a PhD position in, and about this project. I found it interesting, worth, absolutely worth. I tried. I think I was lucky. So you've recently published a paper looking at the public awareness of antibiotic resistance in Sweden. Uh, could you maybe tell us some of the main findings that you found in this work? Yes, absolutely. Um, in this project, in this study, is a uh, it is a qualitative study. A qualitative study means that you basically try to deepen, to investigate, to deepen your understanding of a specific event, a specific uh, fact or phenomenon by, for example, in my case, discussing it at length with uh, those that are 
relevant to this phenomenon. So in our, in my case, in this case, uh, with the Swedish population, uh, I mean, of course, just a few representatives of the Swedish population. And uh, in this study, we applied the uh, health belief model, which is a psychological model that um, has been used since the end of the 50s to understand what factors uh, uh, can change or can explain the change or maintenance of a certain behavior. In our case, well, these behaviors that are relevant to antibiotics use, antibiotic resistance. And we found that people, main findings are that people think that antibiotic resistance is a, a really important uh, issue and uh, something, a threat, a severe threat to um, global health, to their individual health. Still, they thought that this was um, somehow distant from their reality. It is a very bad thing, but I don't think this is going to happen to me. And this is rather typical. And then we look at what are the major barriers and toward the adoption of uh, proper antibiotics use, in, not mostly in a, talking about uh, taking in antibiotics, but also about lifestyle uh, behaviors like uh, typically food consumption that affect antibiotic resistance, that can potentially affect antibiotic resistance. What are the benefits of engaging in proper antibiotics use? And um, what could trigger them to actually use antibiotics properly? Did you find uh, in your study groups that people did have a background, good understanding of, of what proper antibiotic use is? Or do you think there was maybe some sort of misunderstanding of what proper antibiotic use is for the public? Yes. Um, people that I discuss with are only a few people, actually 23 people. But uh, among them, I found people that were very knowledgeable about proper antibiotics use from a medical point of view and about the mechanism of antibiotic resistance. And other that just misuse antibiotics because of, of uh, not proper understanding of what a pr good antibiotics use is and entails. And that is the most worrying part, probably, if uh, uh, someone fails to understand the beautiful mechanism of antibiotic resistance in bacteria. That's doesn't... Oh, that was loud. That doesn't really matter, perhaps. But uh, to not understand why you should antibi uh, un use antibiotics Yes, it is important to understand why and how to use antibiotics properly. Do you think understanding why antibiotic, like how antibiotic resistance works, how it spreads, and all of this is very important to helping people understand what they can do personally? Yes, it is quite important. You don't have really to understand the <laughs> mechanism of the transmission of the information how bacteria acquire the capacity to resist uh, the action of antibiotics, but it's important to understand that when you take antibiotics, you are contributing or you are likely to contribute to antibiotic resistance. Whether, irrespective of whether this is a proper use, like you need antibiotics, or if you are exaggerating, if you are just taking them because it would make you feel better in your opinion, 
So um, I found very interesting that this particular uh, study, this, uh, this paper that you published, looks not only into what do the people know about antibiotic resistance, but more about what that knowledge, what type of perceptions, and how do they feel that sometimes they are susceptible to the problem itself of antimicrobial antibiotic resistance. So I was wondering uh, what uh, of all the things you looked into, what type of beliefs do you think are the ones hindering the most the proper use of antibiotics? Well, um, I think that it is important to understand that what you individually do matters for yourself and for the others. And there is this, uh, one of the findings of my studies that people think, okay, but we are only Sweden. Uh, whether we do well or if I do well, this doesn't really matter if my neighbors are taking antibiotics as candies at the same speed as you could <laughs> hit uh, candies. While this is partly true, this is also, in, um, I think, the result of the fact that people ignore that uh, there are the fact that there are a lot of initiatives at, inter at international levels and also at national levels since the end of the 80s and the beginning of the 90s in uh, Sweden, and that if you do your part, is not uh, you're not the only one. And if Swiss do their part, is not they're not the only people in the world doing it. Actually, they can uh, be a good example. So one of your findings was that maybe bringing up these positive examples of global and national pushes for work in the antibiotic resistance field maybe helps people care more or helps people think that their their part matters, that they're part of a bigger effort, yes. that that's yes. kind of how we should communicate this problem as well, maybe that... It is one of the ways yeah. um, about communication of the risk posed by antibiotic resistance or by... Uh, the threat to health, individual and global, posed by antibiotic resistance, I'm not really sure what is the best way. If you should just try to uh, frighten people and make them feel that this is uh, a disaster that is uh, coming, uh, sometimes people call it uh, the silent tsunami or in other ways, or if it is better to avoid this kind of communication and try to make them feel empowered that they are doing something good for themselves and for people around them, not too far from them. People at Uppsala, in Uppsala, for example, patients that are actually suffering from uh, antibiotic-resistant uh, bacteria. I I'm not very sure what is the best way to communicate. Probably different ways may work better in different contexts. And also for different people. I mean, yes, different people absolutely. take in different information. Yes. So related to this, uh, you went into talking about that perhaps using too much negative connotations of a problem can induce what you mentioned in the paper as the disaster fatigue, yes. right? That it has kind of like the backwards effect. Can you explain a little bit to our audience what this disaster fatigue is and what the effects it has on people? Well, basically the idea is that to um, communicate about... Uh, health threats in an a extremely a catastrophic manner may um, not help people, uh, may not be something that will bring people to behave in a better way. On the contrary, 
if there is too much talking about uh, slightly emerging uh, disasters, catastrophes that are approaching us, post-antibiotics, uh, po several, several post-apocalyptic um, scenarios, people get used to this kind of communication and just think that is a way to communicate, to drive them towards what uh, to behaviors that are deemed to be the best but at the end you detach yourself from this and do not really uh, engage in better behaviors and one of the things that you mentioned in the paper that your um that the participants brought up as an example is that they said it's a creeping problem that's like climate change yes it, this is something that surprised at least me, or I may say surprise us, referring to my research team, um, we did not suggest our participants and people that participated in our study about this uh, uh, similitude. But all groups that were involved uh, thought of antibiotic resistance after watching a short video and after some information from our side about it as... Uh, uh, they said, oh, it's like the climate change. You know that it's happening, you know that it's really bad, but you do not really see it around you. And you do not, you do not feel it as close to you as you perhaps should. And from a communication side, perhaps to present it as the climate change or, or to, uh, yes, to use this kind of similitudes may not be a successful, um, approach as the climate change is of course happening is really bad but uh, both at lay people level and political level there are some resistance <laughs> to use a, a word <laughs> this is very good because you kind of answer a little bit the question i had next to you which is what findings from your study surprised you the most i guess this is one of them but is there anything else on the results that you were a little bit like oh this maybe is a little bit not how i would have expected it I can tell you about something that uh, I hope for, actually. Uh, I hope that people could see uh, about the proper use of antibiotics as a way to uh, curb uh, uh, the antibiotic resistance, to go against, how to say, the development, the old fast development of antibiotic resistance. I hope that they thought as their individual um, part as something that they were responsible of, that they could take individual responsibility for that, not only, but also, and not just thinking that is up to health authorities or policymakers to deal with it. And they did. And uh, people, at least uh, in my focus groups, I hope that they, they just they was not uh, trying to make a good impression on the others and on the research team, but they thought that you, as an individual, have a responsibility, that you are not to blame when you use antibiotics in general, but that you should absolutely see at it also as, as having a moral sphere, as a moral concern. You should use antibiotics when it's the case, and not overuse them. And if you overuse or misuse antibiotics, you're doing something bad for your health, for collective health, but you also have a moral responsibility for that. And they clearly saw that. Actually, they came with a, a moral discourse. And one of the parts that you found there was that this held quite true, but there was a level where it stopped, when it became an economic loss to the individual, maybe 
they kind of there's a balance between the economic loss of the vi- individual and the gain of everybody as a whole. Uh, and I wondered if you could elaborate a little bit on this, on where maybe this economic loss for the individual person comes in. Well, um, the major results were w- what people thought at the end of uh, uh, this discussion was basically, yes, I should try to use antibiotics according to the prescriptions, basically, no more than that. Only use them when they're prescribed and uh, to be adherent to the prescription. Then uh, we also elaborated upon some uh, lifestyle uh, possible changes. Like if you are to travel to certain countries that have uh, very high uh, antibiotic resistance records, it would be better if you would get vaccinated before. And, for example, about consumption of food, basically about consumption of meat, you should go for meat that was produced without uh, antibiotics or without uh, therapeutic use of antibiotics in animals. And these uh, products are more expensive. If you get sick, this is also something that has an economic uh, involvement, that has an economic side. If you get sick, if your children get sick, you shouldn't try to recover as fast as you think you can by using antibiotics or by pushing for antibiotics when you are with a doctor, with a prescriber of antibiotics. You should try to be judicious, behave properly, and uh, not just take antibiotics, although this may entail an economic loss. And if the first results are something that can be, for example, can give indications about proper communication from the healthcare, uh, from the health authorities or from the, uh, in the communication with the doctors, this is more an indication about public health, about uh, public welfare, policies that can help you stay home with a sick child without trying to go as fast as you can to to come back as fast as you can to work. Yeah, like, um, for example, if we could get some policies that say if you are homesick with an infection, bacterial infection, but that is better not to treat it with antibiotics because you know that it takes the same days to get better or maybe just a little bit more without antibiotics, then maybe that we promote that this these uh, actions are taken instead of the opposite that is we want antibiotics to go back uh, to back to work as soon as possible because we don't want to lose work days or yes. so on and so forth. What uh, prompt <laughs> non-proper use of antibiotics is the success of antibiotics because everywhere and for good reasons they are thought of in very very positive terms they're victims of their success, so to say. They work too good, maybe. They it, used to work. Too they good. used to work, right? There's the, the concept that if maybe antibiotics will have as strong side effects as chemotherapies, for example, then people will look at them in a different way. Because antibiotics are cheap and they are easy, they work fast, and they don't have side effects that are so prominent, I guess, as, as chemotherapy, for example. Yes. So maybe... This also doesn't play in the good side of, of uh, maintaining and having a, a good use of the antibiotics. I mean, yes, uh, antibiotics can have side effects, and these side effects in very rare cases can be extremely negative uh, and affect extremely uh, the health 
of uh, or a patient. But I don't think that this is a part that should be emphasized in order to um, push people away from antibiotics. But to make people understand that if we want antibiotics to keep working in the future, we need to use them properly. But to tie this a little bit back to the festival here, something that I've noticed at these public events lately is that um, one concern that is starting to arise in the public is this knowledge that the normal flora, like the bacteria that we live with, that we benefit from uh, as humans, as individuals, uh, that they also get knocked out when you take very strong antibiotics. So I've had people come up and ask, I mean, like, oh, but yeah, the antibiotics are bad because they knock out your normal flora, which is true. But it's also, it, you should take them when necessary. <laughs> Did you see yes. any of this concern in your focus group? Um, no, in the sense that people uh, well understood that when you need to take antibiotics, you need to take antibiotics. It's a tautology. A equal A. Yes, you need to take antibiotics. And uh, you can do some extra steps out of altruistic reasons. Think also not only about your health, but think about the consequences for the others when you decide, when you, yeah, when, when you need to take a decisions about the proper use of antibiotics uh, up to the point where life, yours or the others, is not threatened. At that point, yes, you need to go for first line, second line antibiotics, no problems about that, no doubts about that. The... Um, I mean, from a, a medical ethics point of view, this is clear also among the general population. And uh, related, because you looked at population that are here from Uppsala, Sweden, yes. which we are in a very specific situation regarding the knowledge of antimicrobial resistance, antibiotic resistance, and how they might relate to it. Do you think your findings so far are somewhat applicable to other countries, to other parts of the world? Some of our results, yes, may be applicable. We uh, chose uh, uh, this site for our study because what is generally agreed upon is that uh, a certain amount of knowledge about antibiotic use, antibiotic resistance, and a certain amount of awareness of the problem is required. But what is also perhaps less <laughs> widely uh, uh, agreed or uh, our knowledge is that this is not enough. To be informed about antibiotic resistance is a very good starting point, but is not enough. Based on this knowledge, one needs to understand what are the behaviors that people, and what is on the back of these behaviors. So what are the beliefs and the perceptions that entails these behaviors? And to do this kind of uh, studies is basically to investigate a reality that is uh, contextual, that, that is cultural sensitive. And uh, findings that are, uh, Swedish findings may be applicable to, I don't know, Italy, for example, because I'm from Italy, to a certain extent, but not completely. Also because in Italy, for example, we are less aware of the problem. And besides, we may have different mentality than Swedes. But some of the knowledge is transferable, if not generalizable, but transferable to other uh, contexts. But we, this was one of our assumptions, that uh, 
while uh, it is important to have global strategies, global stewardship and collaboration and local initiatives, it's also important to have very contextual um, understanding of what bring people to behave or not behave in certain manners that are relevant to antibiotic resistance and then follow some to act some policy making that is uh, relevant to the specific case. Well, it's been fun talking and I think we still have some questions, but since we just have a few minutes left, I wanted to know if anyone else has any questions for us or for Mirko here. Yes? Hi. Hi. I wondered what motivated you to go into this field? Well, um it was not exactly an autonomous decision, it was more a heteronomous decision, in the sense that I was uh, looking for a doctoral position and uh, among other possibilities there was this one in Uppsala with a project about ethical and public health issues in antibiotic resistance or entailed by antibiotic resistance and I found it tremendously interesting. <laughs> but uh, I didn't start before that getting in, uh, interested in this uh, specific topic. I, I need to acknowledge that I was very, very ignorant about this. Now I'm a bit less, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, so we have a couple of minutes left and I think it would be very nice to wrap up the conversation and this interview by asking you what are your future plans? What does it come after this study? What are you looking into next? In um, what is called empirical bioethics, <laughs> or in public health as well, there is a coincidence. One may think that a good way to proceed is to start investigating a topic, a phenomenon, um, qualitatively, as I said before, and then move to a quantitative <laughs> study, which is to uh, elaborate on the results of, for our case, for this first studies, and then try to understand in a larger sample of people, basically what we will try to do is to understand whether people, and so we will involve thousands of people, uh, can uh, encompass, can take into uh, consideration the worry, the concern out, uh, about antibiotic resistance in their lifestyle for real, or in their uh, relationship with uh, the family doctors. So whether they care for real or not about antibiotic resistance, hopefully the answer to this will be yes, or to yes to a certain extent. And then it is important for us to understand uh, why do they care and or, and or how they could care more, could be help in uh, uh, acting in a better way when it comes to antibiotics. So this means uh, habits uh, like uh, getting vaccinated about uh, antibiotics intake, about food and mostly meat consumption, and uh, washing your hands, for example, which is one of the most basic, um, important parts in tackling uh, antibiotic resistance and so on. And talking about washing uh, your hands, actually, uh, we also have a station here at Cyfest, uh, Mount number 23, in case anyone here wants to go and visit. And we do have a little experiment about does it actually work to wash your hands to uh, get rid of possible bad bacteria or not? So if you're curious about this, you can come and check it. Okay. Um, and how good you have to wash your hands. <laughs> what is good hand washing? 
but with that, I think we'd like to wrap up. And uh, Mirko, thank you for sitting down with us today. Thank you. Uh, do, you have, do you have anything you'd like to add at the end? or? No, just thank you, you and the audience, for this opportunity to talk about my work. <laughs> well, thank you for coming. Thank you so much, Mirko. Thank you. For more information about the Uppsala Antibiotic Center, please visit our website. You can find a link in the episode notes. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is UAC underscore UU. This episode was brought to you by the AMR Studios, composed by Eva Garmendia, Jenny Jackman, and Po Chen Tang. And a big thank you to Henrik Mies for letting us use his song, Sound the Alarm. You can find a link to his Spotify in the episode notes.